0: Well, if you didn't guess it, we're talking about identity this morning, your identity. And I've entitled this message, Just Who Do You Think You Are Anyway? Just Who Do You Think You Are Anyway? And uh, we're continuing in our I Am Changed message series, as uh, you recall. And if you're new with us this morning, we're in a brief series called I Am Changed. And we're looking at the change or the transformation that happens in a person when they become a Christian. Uh, and what happens in that person? Because the Holy Spirit is within that person. You know, when the Holy Spirit is in something, it doesn't stay the same. It changes. It's dynamic. There's transformation. And if that doesn't happen, then there's some serious issues that you need to face. Look in the mirror and say, why not? And so we're in this I am changed, and we're heading towards Pentecost Sunday, of course. And so in this brief after Easter towards Pentecost Sunday, we're looking at I am changed. And... Uh, in a moment, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and what it means to have an identity in Christ. And we're going to do that by asking ourselves these questions. These questions. What is your identity? In other words, uh, who are you? Who in the world are you anyway? What is that identity based upon? In other words, where are you finding your identity? How does that identity play out in life? In other words, how does identity define you? When I think of identity, I remember the story of the little orphaned rabbit who uh, was just orphaned, and one day a family of squirrels took it in, and that family of squirrels raised that orphaned rabbit as one of their own. Well, this adoption arrangement kind of led to some peculiar behaviors in the part of the rabbit, especially the tendency for it to uh, scurry around like its step-siblings instead of jumping around like a rabbit. Well, as you can imagine, as a, this rabbit grew older, it went through a little bit of an identity crisis, don't we all? Well, so he said, said I'm going to go to my step-parents, my, my, my squirrel step-parents, and discuss this problem. And so he confessed that he he really had trouble differentiating whether he was really a rabbit or a squirrel, and he, he, he said, I'm just not like my step-siblings, and he was very confused, as you can imagine, and quite unhappy in life. Well, to this, his uh, squirrel step-parents simply said, don't scurry, be hoppy. <laughs> and all the dads said, yeah, good one, Bob. <laughs> I specialize in dad jokes. Well, in all seriousness, when we think about identity more seriously, what we find is we really think about our lives, is that identity is at the core of just about everything in life. It both drives us and defines us. And if you think about that, that can be a vicious circle. Especially if we got the wrong identity going, because we want to be something, and that's what drives us towards something, and then we find something, and then it defines us, and then we are driven in that all the more, and you can see how this could become a vicious cycle in your life, and if you got the wrong identity going, it can be very hard to break out of that. but I've got an answer for you this morning and now uh, so so it defines us and it drives us, but more than ever. I think more than ever in most of our collective memory, we're finding that identity is something that's confusing. It's it confuses us. And we look at our culture and we see so much identity confusion. It's so much identity confusion. It seems more and more people are believing in and grasping at and pursuing whatever it is, that will give them some kind of identity, just something to believe in, something to define themselves. And they're grasping at des- and there's this desperation in our midst. And we see that this is symptomatic of, of, of so much wrong identity. And it's just simply identity confusion. For those of us who are in Christ, though, for those of us who have our identities firmly established in Christ, we look at all this identity confusion and we say, wow, that is really sad. And it's sad because we know the remedy to the identity confusion. We know that it's only in a relationship with Jesus Christ that you can know your true self, your true identity, the identity that God has designed for you. And so we're no longer confused about who we are because we're firmly set in Jesus Christ. And that defines us and that drives us. And it's what we were meant to be all along. We know that at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to get a brand new identity. Think about that. At the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to get a brand new identity. A true identity in Jesus Christ. I didn't always know my true identity. I didn't always, my heart wasn't always bowed to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I grew up in a Christian home. But I chose to rebel in life. And so I, looking back, have this period in my life where I was confused. My identity was not based on Jesus Christ. He was not always my identity. Instead, my identity was based on a pathetic mix of immoral behavior and material possessions and, and pursuits. And in including things like this that you're going to see on the screen. For six years of my life, this stuff captivated me. It was my identity, dark music. And even, yes, that, my 1967 Mustang Fastback, 489 or 289 high-performance, four-speed with a nine-inch rear end. It was my God, it was my God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to have a classic sports car as long as it doesn't own you, which it did in my case. The interesting thing about that is that I restored it in 1982 in that time frame and in the middle of restoring that, I had a crisis of awakening as far as my identity goes. God broke through into my life in a most vivid way and he showed me the the fallacy, the senselessness of basing my identity on all these things and he also showed me the reality that the devil was really calling the shots in my life, and I was not aware of it. I thought I was in control. I thought I was the master. I thought I was good and had it all set, and I had my world tight and it was ordered, and everything was good. But he showed me the fallacy that the devil was really just controlling my strings. And I said, "No more." In a fit of rage against Satan, I said, "No more." And I bowed my heart to Jesus on March 7th, 1984. And I got a new identity. And I have not looked back since. God came into my life and gave me that new identity. Now, again, it's not wrong to own a sports car. I'm not saying that that's that's wrong, as long as it doesn't own you. But when I was restoring that, I had a crisis because it was in the middle of this coming this new identity and it was in parts. I had the engine done, it was on a pallet and I was ready to drop it in. I had constructed the new rear end in it and it was all in parts and I had to and I put that puppy together. I put that together. This was my god and in it represented everything that my identity was based upon. So I had a crisis. What do I do with this thing cuz it no longer suddenly was something that meant anything to me. People couldn't believe that I wasn't wanting to restore this, continue with it. It just sat. And for about two months, I just ignored it. People offered me money to buy it in parts, and I said, no, no, I just, I I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. But God then gave me some peace, and he said, Bob, go ahead and restore it. Finish the job. I'll use it in ministry. And it was an incredible relational device in my 11 years as a youth pastor. Now it resides in someone's garage in St. Louis. Uh, Sold it about eight years ago. The point to all of this is that when your identity is based on anything but Jesus Christ, then anything and everything will be your identity. Anything and everything but Jesus Christ will be your identity. And you have identity confusion going on in your life, whether you want to realize it or not. For those in Christ, though, there is the reality of understanding that in experiencing one's identity as God designed it, I have that in my life going, and I know it. And nothing compares. Nothing compares to knowing who you are as God designed you to be. Nothing will get you to that point. So identity is at the core of everything when you think about it. And I happen to think that Peter understood something about this too when he was writing to these early Christians that were scattered abroad in, in the day when, that he's writing to these Christians in chapter 2 um, of 1 Peter verses 9 through 12. Evidently, Peter knew that these Christians needed a reminder of the significance of their identity in Christ and what that was to mean in their lives. And we're going to explore that this morning as well. So if you, uh, on the screen we have 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12, and I like the New Living Translation. That's what we're going to read from. Will you follow along with me? But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Well, this group of verses breaks down nicely into, of course, three points. Who we were, who we were, that is identity without Christ. Who we are, that is identity with Christ. And what we do, how that new identity defines us. So let's look at who we were. Yeah, who we were. Verse 10. Peter reminds these Christians that they were living as exiles throughout, uh, and specifically the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. They were exiled. They were out and about. And they were, he reminds them that you were nobody at one point. You didn't have any uh, identity as a people. And by the way, there's various opinions on whether Peter's really writing to just Jewish Christians here, or Christians that are inclusive of Jews and Gentiles we're going to assume that he's writing to all Christians. I think that that is the better case. So he states in verse 10, once you had no identity as a people. He's really referencing some Old Testament verses in Hosea that uh, describe the Jewish nation as not having once had an identity. But the point being is that there was a time when the true identity of these Christians was not known to them. They, Whether it be Jew or Gentile, they weren't certain of who they were. As you can imagine, there was identity confusion, to say the least. Well, the same thing holds true for us today, for you, me, and every Christian alive. The same thing holds true. There was a time when you and I had no identity. You and I had no identity. Or more accurately, we did not know our true identity. The reality is is that every one of us is born in identity confusion. Identity confusion. Inasmuch as we're born with the sin nature from Adam and that separates us from God and it's impossible to have an identity in Christ when we are born because of that. No one is born with an automatic identity in Christ. But we are born with a desire to know that identity in Christ. We are born to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Blaine Pascal, the Catholic theologian in 1670, put it this way. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. We, we are meant to have a relationship with God. We are meant to find our identity in Christ. There's this vacuum inside of us that will never be filled by anything but Jesus Christ and that identity that can come through him. But at birth, we're all separated from God and our identity is not in God. In fact, our true identity can never be made known in reality. We're always in identity confusion until the day we bow our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life today, friend, you're living with identity confusion. Whether you really want to own up to it or not, deep down, I knew I had identity confusion even though I thought I had I, my identity was secure and in place all those years I was rebelling. Well that takes us to the second point. So we talked about who we were, let's talk about who we are now. After reminding these Christians that they once had no identity, Peter continues in verse 10 by stating now you are God's people. Once you were a nobody, had no identity, but now you are God's people. And underscores this with some words at the end of verse 9. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. He called you out of the dark. He called me out of my darkness, out of the darkness and into the wonderful light of a relationship with him. So, as if being born with identity confusion were bad enough, Peter adds it now without Christ we're walking in darkness. Without Christ, that is. And what comes to my mind is simply the inability to know the way. I am directionless in life. I am directionless in life without Christ in my life, without his light guiding my way. Next weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend, I have the privilege of riding um, in a bike ride, bicycle ride, uh, from Grand Rapids to Detroit. It's a 220-mile ride in 20 hours, which means we ride through the night. And it's a memorial ride to honor fallen Marines. Um, Josh Price, which is a Marion police officer, a friend of mine, cyclist, he uh, is organizing this. He's done one before, which I had the privilege of benefiting on. So anyway, uh, we're riding next Saturday and Sunday. Forgive me for not being here. I'll be riding my bike. And maybe you would, could pray for safety for us as we ride. <laughs> there will be three of us from Marion joining about seven others that will start the ride. And then other veterans and Marines will, will join in the ride as we go. And so, uh, so we'll be doing that next weekend. But, uh, and we will have lights for the nighttime reading, or riding, I'm sorry. So, but still, still, riding in darkness with illuminations can still be tricky. Think about it. Um, I mean, your perceptions are a little bit skewed in a way. You, you really don't know speed at times. You really don't know distance at times. You really don't know how fast or where that car's at coming at you. And so, you, And it's really kind of exhausting because your perceptions are heightened all the time. It's a lot of fun, especially if you have a cloudless night and a full moon. It kind of just plays tricks with your eyes. But uh, anyway, so we're, we're, I can't imagine, though, doing this kind of ride in the dark without illumination. Can you imagine? I wouldn't, we wouldn't know which way we're going. Just, just dark. Am I riding on the road? Am I riding off the road? Am I going to hit my friend? I wouldn't know because I can't see him. In fact, what's worse is a car could even mow us down because they wouldn't be able to see us. Can you imagine doing it without illumination? Well, friends, riding in the dark without lights is in a, sense, in a sense what our lives are like without the wonderful light of Jesus Christ in our lives. There's absolutely no illumination. Absolutely no way of knowing if you're, where you're going. And we're always unsure of our direction in life, and there's a lot of chaos. It's like identity confusion on steroids. Without Jesus Christ. That's why we should always thank God. Always thank God for the time in our lives when God called us out of the darkness. Now, for some that might have been a momentary crisis. For some you grew up in a Christian home and you just kind of learned to love Jesus all along and you didn't have a period of rebellion. Praise the Lord for that. We all have different stories. But the point is that we went from darkness and identity confusion to light and a relationship with him, and an identity in him at some point in our lives. We went from death to life that way. For me, in fact, I never want to forget the depths of the darkness. I don't like to fixate on what I used to do. I mean, I remember well enough, and I'm not proud of the stuff I did. But I never want to forget the depths of where I was, because it can help me to always appreciate that much more what I have now and who I am now in him it helps me to always and fully appreciate that and also appreciate him for what he did in my life. I mean, think about it. I went from darkness and death to, to life and light, and I got a new identity. And that happened to every one of us who claims Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. My water's up here somewhere. Thank you, honey. Thank you. My favorite Bible verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. My life verse is Ecclesiastes 1.14, which is, I've seen all things under the sun. Behold, they're meaningless at chasing after the wind. That's a praise the Lord. You want to hang around with me kind of positive verse, isn't it? No, it's what God used to get my attention to really show me how life was meaningless without God. But my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Behold, and I like the way the, uh, the uh, Living Bible states it. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. We could rephrase that verse using identity terminology to say something like this. When somebody becomes a Christian, he's not the same anymore. The old identity is gone, and he takes on a brand new identity. So please don't ever underestimate the fact that you were once in darkness and once had no identity and now you are in—you have illumination in your life and you have an identity. Shout it out unashamedly. Don't care what the world says. Don't be bashful about it. Shout it out unashamedly. Own it. Own it. And live in it. And live in it. So we understand then who we were, our identity that way, and who we are, identity that way. But uh, Peter goes on to address some truths regarding what we do. In other words, how does that new identity play out in our lives? Now we get to the real meat of the message. Evidently, there was some, dare I say, some identity confusion lingering in these Christians who were exiled and living out and about. In fact, this entire passage, verses 9 through 12, is filled with warning statements to be careful how to live out in our new identity, how to live, in our, live out our new identity in Christ. And Peter describes some specific things to avoid in doing that. So going back to verse 9, we see that Peter starts with, but you're not like that. He's telling these Christians, you're not like that. Well, not like what, Peter? Well, to answer that, we have to go back actually before our verses to verses 7 and 8. And we see that in verses 7 and 8, we're not to be like those who reject God. Our lives are not to have this hint, if if that's possible, that we're rejecting God. If we're claiming to be Christ and there's the evidence that we're rejecting God, or maybe his truth, or maybe parts of his truth, then then we're not to be like that. And then he also goes on in verse 8, to was saying, we're not to be like those who stumble because they do not obey God's word. We're not to be like those who are stumbling. I mean, stumbling can be dangerous. You could fall and break your nose, who knows what. It can happen easily. But just imagine life just constantly stumbling. That's kind of humorous as I think about it, but it's really quite sad as you just stumble around in life all the time. And that's what's, what's going on with some people when they don't obey God's word. But Peter says, don't be like that. So evidently, there was some of that going on. We're not to be like that. And then jumping down to verse 11, Peter gets even more direct by stating in, um, to keep away from worldly desires. And we could group in worldly desires this whole thing about fleshly desires, the, the sins of the flesh, the temptation to, to engage in sinful activity with the flesh. We're not to be like that. If you're a Christian, these things ought not to be evidenced in your life because you were, not, you were once like that in a sense. Now you're no longer like that, so don't act like it anymore. Peter's warning to these Christians is the same warning for us today. As Christians with new identities, our primary role, and I like uh, verse 9 in the NIV as it states it, to declare the praises of him who called us out of the darkness and into the light. That's our primary role, to declare the praises of the one who delivered us from darkness into the light. And we do that, as verse 12 says, by living properly among unbelievers. And living properly means... Living in such a way that your life is not... There's no hint of evidence in your life of living as those who don't identify with Christ. Like the world. Like the world. It's a no-brainer, folks. It's a, it's a black and white issue. Your life either witnesses to the life of Christ in you, or your life witnesses to the life of Christ that's not in you. What you do tells us which it is. And it's always on display. It's always on display. Well, verse 12 goes on to tell us that proper living results in honor being given to God. And did you notice it says that this honor will be given by unbelievers? Talk about an impact for witness to the world of unbelieving people that don't know Jesus, that are outside a relationship with him. Our lives can either convince unbelievers that God is real and that he has made real change in our lives, or it can convince them that Christianity is nothing but a farce and that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites and kooks. What we do weighs heavy in that arena. So be careful to properly live by keeping away from worldly desires. And if we need extra help, and not extra help, this is really where it's at, How, let me just ask you this How's your Bible reading going? How, much, how, how well do you immerse yourself in Scripture? Because Romans 12 tells us that the renewing of our minds is how our life will play out. And we're to renew our minds by Scripture, by the truth of Scripture. And as your mind goes, so your activity in life goes. And if you've got activity that's off base and not descriptive of identity in Christ, then your mind is not being transformed by the right kind of truth. So, to help you in this, you need to read scripture. Immerse yourself in scripture to learn scriptural truths on how to live. It's right there. It's, a, it's really quite easy to pick up on. And the more you read it, the Holy Spirit takes that, and he helps transform your mind. And before you know it, you're not doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. You might need some accountability, so don't be afraid to get that in your life as well. But the point is is that will you do what it takes to learn how to do the right behaviors the stuff that's keeping in, in line with an identity in Christ. Be careful to live properly by keeping away from worldly desires and use Scripture. And by the way, we live in a world where a lot of people are claiming to be Christians, but their lives are not lining up with what a transformed life is. And yet they think they're doing God's will. I know of several friends that are caught up in sexual identity confusion gender identity confusion, who think that that's God's plan for them. Your identity, if it's in Christ, a Christ identity, let me say it this way, will always match with the truth of Scripture. And the truth of Scripture will always result in an identity in Christ. The two go hand in hand. And so if someone's claiming an identity in Christ and their behavior is not according to the truth of Scripture, we know that identity confusion is still there in their life. And we can pray for them. And I'll tell you what, the devil's working overtime to keep people in the grasp of identity confusion. And sometimes, uh, my friends, all I can do is pray for them. I can talk to them, and I can share with them, and I can love them. But, man, i got to pray for them because this is a spiritual issue. This is a, a, a spiritual issue, a biblical issue at the foundation. And Satan's working overtime to keep them in identity confusion. Satan may be working overtime in your life this morning to keep you in identity confusion as well. I hope, I hope you have an awakening, maybe like mine, where you got so ticked at the devil, where you thought you were in control, where you thought you had it all together, and when it came down to it, I had no idea who I was, and worse yet, that the devil was really controlling me. And I got so angry, I said, no more, no more. Folks, I realize this has been heavy. I told you we're getting to the meat in the message now. But the stakes are too high. The stakes are too high for us to be casual when it comes to making sure our lives as Christians, as those with identities in Christ, that our lives and our behaviors match the truth of Scripture. So you once had no identity. We—that's true in our lives. We once had no identity. We were born without it. Called to, de- but now you are God's people with a new identity. That's good. Called to declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness and into the light by living lives outwardly evidenced by the new identity within. Let me say that again. Just think about that. You once had no identity, but now you are God's people with a new identity called to declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into this light. How? By living lives. Outwardly evidenced by a new identity within. I'd like to close uh, this morning with uh, where we began by playing that video again. I think uh, the video was... I loved it. It really spoke volumes. But maybe now after what we've listened to from Scripture, we'll even see and and receive from that video deeper truths, and maybe God would speak to us even in a more significant way. So I'd like to close that way, and as you watch it and consider what has been said, perhaps today you're one who would just be gut-honest with yourself. And with God, and just say, you know, Hester, Bob, I'm, I'm there. I have no identity. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going in life. I've tried. I think I've tried to, to give myself meaning. But when it comes down to it, really, when it's all scraped away, who are you? And what's that based on? And it's just left you empty. It's left you directionless. It's left you nowhere. Well, if that's you, I invite you actually to come forward and kneel at an altar while the video's even playing. And there will be people there to pray with you and to listen to you if you want to share. But would you humble your heart to come forward to an altar this morning? The worst thing to go do is go away from here still in identity confusion. That's what the devil would love. Give God a chance. Give God a chance in your life to put that new identity in you, you won't be sorry. I have not been sorry. Any Christians in here been sorry that they (laughs) said yes to Jesus? Of course not. Or maybe you're one that would say, yeah, I um, am a Christian. Uh, I understand that identity in Christ, but there's behavior in my life that shouldn't be there. And I know it. God knows it. And I would invite you as well to come to the altar And confess some things to God. Confession is the key to healing and getting right. But you've got to humble your heart in front of us all, if that be the case, and say, God, I'm wrong. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. I'm living like the world. I'm bound to the temptation of sexual sin in my life. Whatever the case is, I'm just not living right and I know that you want me to live right. I know that that identity in Christ needs to be what is displayed to the world in a better way. If that's you, I would invite you to come as well and kneel at an altar this morning. So as the video plays, my, 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 my desire is simply this, that you would just respond to God. Don't respond to me in a sense. I've said some pretty powerful directive words, but more importantly, respond to God, please. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Would you stand this morning and let's pray together. Mark, are we closing in some kind of song, or are you just playing wonderfully on that keyboard? Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I thank you, first of all, for the truth of your scripture, for giving to us your thoughts on these pages called the Bible. Thank you for Peter giving to these early Christians some some help when it comes to their identity. Thank you that we can apply that in our lives as well this morning. Lord, we thank you for the time that you call us out of darkness into the light. Lord, we want to always appreciate you for that. Lord, help us to live lives that are such that those unbelieving people in our midst at the workplace at school would see what's going on and know that there's a God that can change lives and give you honor because of what we live out. God, I thank you for meeting our need in this hour, for speaking to our hearts. As we go away from here, Lord, I pray, I invite you to keep speaking. Lord, uh, help us to carry the truths of this morning with us this week especially uh, ask that you would meet the need of those that came forward, Lord. We thank you for your tender care and merciful um, action in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, you love us so much. So thank you for caring about us so much. Lord, as we go from this place, we ask for your blessing on our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all the great and mighty things you have done in our lives and all the great and mighty things you will do in our lives going forward in the name of Jesus Christ I pray and I give thanks and all the people said together Amen, Amen. Have a blessed day